Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. The third and final episode in our series on logical fallacies delves into improper use of rhetoric. Both fallacies of omission and fallacies of ambiguity are used to redirect an argument away from the topic at hand or from evidence that might disprove one side or the other. In this episode, we will look into different types of fallacies of omission and fallacies of ambiguity. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. My seat is sore. What happened was my wife got me a bicycle for our 15th wedding anniversary. So we all three have bikes <laughs> and we could ride and that's fine. But like, you know, when you were a kid and you rode a bike and you didn't weigh all that much, it didn't really hurt that bad. And yeah, 200 pounds on my seat bouncing around the road. I was absolutely flat hauling on that thing too. Um, so I'm. They make big guy seats. With, that are kind of wider and cushion and like have like the gel cushion stuff. Yeah. I'm, you should get one of those for it. I've been looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that was occurred to me when I was riding, cause I was going absolutely, I was flying. Cause that, you know, that's how I used to ride around. And, you know, even that's been quite a few years, you know, I still have the same reflexes and all that kind of stuff. And I was going along and I looked over to my left and there's like this, tall grass or I forget what exactly it was. And I look and there's a deer looking at me like 10 yards away. And I'm like, you know, I might ought to slow down because it would really suck to hit a deer on a bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I have that kind of luck just enough. It's not, not as bad as you, but I got enough of it where I'm like, "Mm, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's fun. You doing that too. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been fun. I, wasn't sure I would like it as much as I do. So that's good. So how about you? Dude, I am running low on pens. Yeah, pens. You heard me. I was on a call yesterday and had two pens go out on me while I was taking notes. I normally restock at conferences throughout the year, but we haven't had conferences. Like they've all been online and uh, Amanda keeps stealing the ones I have. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that. I say that because she's she's listening. I'm sure of it. And so she's going to call me when she hears this. Bust at me for saying that. But, you know. <laughs> you know, like what I do is I actually buy a lot of packs of pens and pencils and hide them in different yeah. places. So that when I run out in one place, I just go get another pack from one of the hidey holes. Because I've uh-huh. given up. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get stolen. Yeah. yeah. Also, by the way, we're out of complete developer podcast pins. Yeah. I mean, I, I was giving away like candy at conferences and every time I met anyone, whether they were a developer or not, I left them at bars, you know, and all sorts of stuff. I've literally gone into a bar and like had the bartender hand me a complete developer podcast pin. And I'm like, did I leave this last time I was here? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, they got it from one of their coworkers who worked at a different bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stuff gets around. I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I've tried to spread it info about the podcast that way. 
I got my first grade back. It was not good. I mean, it was just a homework assignment, but it's just very frustrating because I got counted off for the same mistake three times. It was one of those situations where problems two and three built off of problem one. And I literally missed in the problem text where it said to have a comma in the language in the first one. And so I like, all right, yeah, that's me. That's on me. I, I didn't see that when I got the the grade back. I'm like, why did I miss that? And I read his comments. I'm like, there wasn't. Where did it say that? And I went and reread it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I just completely missed that. Yeah, I hate where they build on that, where if you make yeah. one mistake early on, you're toast. I mean, the real world is not really like that unless you're skydiving or, you know, building stuff for NASA that leaves the planet. What frustrated me it was very obvious, hey, I missed this. Like, I missed it on the first one. So it's not going to be in the second and third one. But he counted off five points each for questions two and three because of the mistake I made in question one. Yeah. I mean, that's 15 points for one mistake. That is ridiculous. Like I said, I deserve getting counted off in question one. I didn't see it when I was reading the problem. Fair. But two and three, it's just extremely annoying. Well, you should have QA. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're for is to catch the places you didn't think about. No. Now, in better news, I'm going to be production lead again tomorrow night at church. Amanda is running camera too. That's the more challenging camera as it gets all, all the close-ups and has to be quick and accurate, not just accurate. So I've actually been listening to the worship set uh, the past few days to prepare. And when we get done with with recording tonight, I'm going to be sitting down and taking notes on the uh, the lyric sheets for it, going, all right, here's where they drop off, here's where I need to get this, and like writing out what shots I want to get where so that I can get the cameras there in time for them. So that's cool. Guys, we have a couple of new patrons. Jacob Danner. Yep. Thank you. And we also have Eddie, who... We're not going to mention his last name because he said he didn't need a shout out, but we still like to say thank you for the people that are helping us reach our goals. So thank you guys. And guys, you can reach your financial goals and take your financial confidence to the next level. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner and financial coach who serves tech professionals with his company, Level Up Financial Planning. He does this virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Level Up Financial Planning like the Complete Developer Podcast, believes in the importance of having a real plan and taking action so that you can live your best life. A lot of times people think that they're too young or don't have enough investments to work with a financial planner, but Level Up's unique pricing model allows you to pay monthly and without requiring investment management. Why wait to feel confident about your financial decisions? Best of all, Lucas and Level Up Financial Planning is a fiduciary for his clients, and that requires him to act in his client's best interest. So he's not a salesman. He's not going to try to push stuff on you. You only pay as long as you're getting value, and you stop paying when you're no longer getting value. And there are a bunch of other resources and stuff to learn at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Logical fallacies are errors in reasoning that can invalidate an otherwise good discussion 
formal argument or debate. We've said that in all three of these episodes because we really want to hammer home what a logical fallacy is and get you in that mindset as we go into it. Yeah, and the fallacies discussed here have to do with misdirection or misinformation. Fallacies of omission occur when important or even necessary information is left out of an argument. Fallacies of ambiguity create confusion by using unclear or poorly defined words or phrases in order to misdirect the argument from the evidence supporting the other side. Now, this is the final part in a series of episodes on logical fallacies. Already, we've discussed fallacies of relevance and component fallacies. There are a lot of logical fallacies out there. Honestly, there's an entire class in college on them. These episodes kind of cover a few of the more common ones in each category. In this episode, we're discussing several of the more common component fallacies that you're likely to encounter in each category. For each one, we'll describe the fallacy, talk about how to recognize it in conversation, and finally, how to address it when you see it in the workplace, as it were. Yeah. So we're going to start off talking about fallacies of omission. Fallacies of omission are logical errors where necessary information is omitted. It often results in the argument being directed away from the missing information. Yeah, we're going to talk about several of these and how, because there's different ways to omit information. There's just leaving it out. There's guiding away from it. There's a lot of different ways to omit information. So we're going to talk about a few of these, a few of the ones that you're more likely to see. And the first one is argumentum ad ignorantium. Yeah, and that's literally <laughs> translated to mean argument from ignorance. It can also be called the appeal to a lack of evidence. Yeah, this is the idea that because the other person cannot disprove a premise or an idea, that it must be true. Right. Um, so if you say, hey, there are 15 undetectable, invisible aliens in the room with me. Well, if they're undetectable, you can't prove that that's not true. So therefore, there must be. Yeah, that's the fallacy there. Right. That's where all the beer goes, clearly. <laughs> that's that's yeah. my story and I'm sticking to it. And you can't prove me wrong. <laughs> um, you're going to run into the lack of evidence fallacy a lot, especially when you're trying to get maybe older managers or older lead developers to try newer technology. Especially, I should say, when you have a valid argument or when the new technology solves a problem, but they are afraid of change, they're comfortable where they are, they don't want to move to something new, they will come up with something that the newer tech was never designed to do yeah. or that it's just there's no information about it yet and say, oh, well, it can't do that or there's no information about it. Therefore, it can't do it. Right. And you'll see this go the other way, too. Right. Like it's not just picking on older devs like I've told younger devs, hey, why don't you try doing it this other way? And whatever the new hotness is, they're like, oh, your approach won't work. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it worked pretty well through like the last 20 years, you know, like, what do you mean it doesn't work? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going for one specific example with that, yeah. but I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's a really good point is you will see it on both sides. It's not just there. And part of what we're doing here is... I've caught it from both sides on the same day. 
You know, like I believe that. I totally believe that's that. what kills me is like, oh, here's the, you know, here's the new hotness. I'm like, oh man, you know, I don't know if that's gonna why don't we try doing it this other way because we got staff and you got the newer people, oh, do it. That's not proved to work. And then you got the older folks that are like, oh no, that your way doesn't work either because you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, at least once it's happened in the same meeting with the same people in the room. And I'm like looking <laughs> back and forth and I'm like, do y'all I could just leave and y'all could argue. And I can have it done by the time y'all prove anything. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the tricky part of overcoming this fallacy is that the burden of proof lies with the person making the claim. So if they say something isn't possible, the burden is on them to prove it, not on you. Right. And this is why scientific research uses a null hypothesis. In other words, the opposite of what they're trying to prove, because the lack of evidence doesn't disprove their hypothesis. It only fails to disprove the null hypothesis. Yeah, it sounds kind of like double speak. And the first couple of times, I mean, most of us have taken some high school science classes and stuff. And you remember like doing the, the scientific experiments and stuff, but uh, it, it really got hammered home with me when I was in grad school and doing like pre-thesis research and stuff in those classes because they were preparing us to write scientific papers. And it's this idea that you create this, this hypothesis, they call it the null hypothesis. It's, it's that, you know, if you're looking at does drug X, Y, Z cause a change? what you test for is that drug XYZ does not cause a change. Right. Because you, you're not looking to prove that it causes a change. You're looking to show, Hey, I couldn't prove that it didn't cause a change. It also has a tendency. If you do it that way to structure your biases in a way that makes your hypothesis run the gauntlet a bit better (laughs) than the other way around. Right. Right. So like if you're trying to prove something with, oh, well, this is, you know, if, if you're trying to not use the null hypothesis, it sounds like an episode of Ancient Aliens. Yeah. What if it were true? Because you're not testing against the reverse, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it just, it gets rid of some human approaches that really screw stuff up. No. So the next fallacy that we're going to talk about is argumentum Add speculum. Yeah, and unlike what some of you are probably thinking, this does not mean, no, I can't see it with my glasses. What it actually means is it's the hypothesis contrary to fact. This fallacy tries to prove something in reality using examples from a fantasy or made-up world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea is that hypothetically, and Will kind of hinted at this earlier, is like, if A happened, then B would be the result. Right. You know, the the example I thought of in this was, you know, if I had never gotten married when I was in med school, you know, I did go through some rough times, but, you know, I wouldn't have gone through the difficulties uh, of the divorce. And that's really what pushed me over the edge on the depression. And you know, I probably would have been able to work through it and become a doctor. And it's that kind of idea. It's like, well, if this hadn't happened or if this had happened or if this were the case or that were the case, like these like 
fantasy ideas related to using those to make an argument about reality. Right. I will say they are useful for trying to come up with a hypothesis to try to prove. Yeah. And that's not what we're talking about here. Right. Like this is how you spitball. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not talking about spitballing ideas. We're talking about right. arguments about reality here. It, it depends on how it's used. Like, all right, if I do this, this will be the most likely result is one thing. And making like trying to decide which direction to go versus, well, if this had happened, then this would be the case. So we should do this. Right. You know, um, the problem is that all the examples and evidence supporting the argument are hypothetical or based on accepting a hypothetical premise. So they're based in this non-reality fantasy world. Yeah. I will say there are some areas of, I wouldn't say science so much as like the edge of physics that feels like this to me a whole lot. String theory, for instance, feels very similar to how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. And, you know, because you can't really compare the reality very well. It's, it's cool to dig into it, but it's like, yeah, well, when you're getting in, I can't do anything with this. Yeah. Again, that's not a fallacy. The fallacy yeah. is when it's used and used in an argument as a way to misdirect Right. away from evidence supporting the other side. So like, and that's what you're going to see with a lot of these, by the way, I probably should have mentioned that earlier is that throughout this episode, a lot of these are going to be, Oh, well in this instance, that's perfectly normal. Like there's some that later on where we talk about and it's like, Oh yeah. In literature, this is totally used all the time. Yeah. In literature, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, in an argument when it is used as evidence for something in reality. Right. You know, guys, while it's fun to play time travel, butterfly effect, mental games, these hypotheses are typically irrelevant and don't actually provide evidence for or against an argument in the real world. It's kind of a shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. You know, yeah, to overcome this, you have to politely point out that talking about what could be does not solve the problem at hand. And also, you don't know what issues you would have faced had a different decision been made. This is my favorite thing in tech, by the way. Oh, that was a dumb decision. You should have done it this other way. Because then you would have had XYZ. And it's like, yeah, but our timeline would have been pushed back by a year. It would have all gotten outsourced. Yeah. And the other side of that never gets considered. And yeah, so it's definitely a very strong redirect tendency. The next mm-hmm. one is stacking the deck. Uh, this name comes from cheating in card games, where a person will place cards in the deck while shuffling to benefit them in the game. Yeah. So in this fallacy, the person making the argument ignores evidence or examples that disagree or disprove their conclusion and only provide evidence in support of their case. This is something that it's less in a back and forth argument and more in, you see this more in speeches or in talks and things like that, where someone is, you see a lot in advertising, but where someone is really trying to push one thing over another and they ignore all the negatives. Yeah. Or they 
set it up so that complicated situations look simplistic mm-hmm. because then their answer sounds right. Yeah, um, it's it is somewhat related to the straw man fallacy. Yeah, um, that we've discussed in a previous yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a good example is the no true Scotsman fallacy. It's a specific type of stacking the deck that defines something so narrowly that it excludes obvious examples. And then it says examples to the contrary are not truly a part of what is being defined because they don't meet the narrow definition. Yeah. So like all Scotsmen are brave and strong. What about the guys that yeah. didn't show up at Bannock Burn? They weren't brave or strong. Well, <laughs> yeah. they are not true Scotsmen. They gave up that right when they showed cowardice. That's the idea of the no true Scotsman fallacy. It's the the you set this narrow criteria and anything outside of that criteria cannot be like when you're trying to set the criteria, you know, where you're trying to define something, you say, all right, it's this. Someone gives an example and you're like, oh, no, it's that's not part of that's not this because, you know, they're not truly that. You'll see this a lot with the uh, neckbeards and not our email address. Yeah. When they get to arguing over, you know, who is the most hardcore. Like, uh, real software engineers don't use an IDE. They write it all in text files and compile it on the command line. <laughs> you should use awk. <laughs> They're real engineers. <laughs> I mean, just... They should just like edit the bits on the platter yeah. just directly. <laughs> you know. Scare right ahead. Yeah. Make a state machine with atoms. Yeah, that makes you a real developer. Similar to hasty generalizations, this fallacy is more nefarious as it is used when the deception is deliberate and not accidental. Yeah, that's a big thing with all of these fallacies is the fallacies of omission and ambiguity are they're a bit more nefarious because these are kind of on purpose. These are deliberate fallacies. And so this one, it is deliberately trying to mislead. It's also an insidious fallacy as no matter how much evidence to the contrary you present, they will just say that, oh, well, that doesn't count because it's not. Honestly, there's not much more to do here other than walk away at this point. Unless you're on social media and then you just like, yeah. in which case you mock exactly. Relentlessly. I no, don't do that. Do not take that advice. It is bad advice. <laughs> Still fun. Screen caps, people. <laughs> so the next one is the loaded question. And this is also called the complex question. The question in question is worded in such a way as to imply something that has not been logically proven nor assumed or accepted as a premise. <laughs> I was hoping you'd read that one. Yeah, I could tell by the way you worded it. It's like, oh, yeah, you're trying to trip me up. No, while it's a joke, the what have you been fighting this week at the beginning of the show is technically a loaded question as it assumes that Will has been fighting something. Y'all, let's be honest. It's a very fair assumption. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's not really a lot of weeks where I'm not in a slugging match with something because I like I look for that. He does. He enjoys the tough things that's he's built a career around that because that's what he enjoys. Yeah. And people like it when he comes in. I definitely have got a, <laughs> I've got a reputation at work where it's like, Oh, that looks nasty. Yeah. Can I have it? 
<laughs> and they just kind of shake their head. And they're like, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Psycho. But the real loaded question fallacy is similar to begging the question or leading questions. Mm-hmm. This is something that's seen in television shows, especially when mocking lawyers or when showing an unscrupulous kind of shady lawyer character. Mm-hmm. It's something that you see a lot. Like it's a trope in literature and in television to show that someone is not on the up and up. This is another fallacy that uh, you can see a lot from older developers. A lot of times they don't even realize they're doing it. Um, But when you're trying to get them to move to newer tech, they think they're being clever when asking these questions. I've had this happen to me. I can't tell you how many times, but they'll do it in front of a non-technical manager. You know, if, if you can't, convince them with cleverness you baffle them with buffoonery that's not the way i heard it but okay i couldn't remember exactly how it was so how how does it go the way that i heard it is not something that would meet our ratings standard yeah see i I did hear a good okay good version i just couldn't remember it so uh yeah tell us in the aftercast that's not the one i use tell tell us in the aftercast yeah this is one of the most frustrating fallacies to address because you have to point out that they're making assumptions in the question that are not valid given the current information. This may mean calling them out for misleading the conversation. So you kind of have to be careful about how you do this and who you do it to. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you can really get yourself in trouble with this and you probably can't get yourself out of it. So finally, under fallacies of omission is argument from the negative. Similar to argumentum ad ignorantium, sometimes these can even be interchangeable. Yeah, this fallacy occurs when someone assumes something is true just because the opposite is false. Unless you are dealing with binary options, just because you're able to disprove the argument of your opponent doesn't mean that your argument is true. Um, For example, just because Will can prove to me that the sky is not green does not mean that his argument that the sky is purple is true. Right. Although there's some people that if they said it was purple, I would definitely go with green (laughs) just because (laughs) I know some people. (laughs) Yeah. So you're going to run into this when debugging with a team where you run a test. Some tests are rule in tests, meaning that If the test is positive, they say this is more likely the problem, whereas others are rule-out tests. So you're ruling out the possibility that what you're testing is the problem. So if it's positive, it says, all right, this is not most likely not the problem. What happens is when someone runs a rule-in test going, hey, if this test is true, it's very likely the problem, and the test comes out negative. So it doesn't say, hey, this is most likely the problem. They assume, oh, it can't be the problem. Honestly, personally, I have seen this a lot with DBAs when I'm working with them because I'll we'll do something and it will be like, oh, hey, you know, it can't be this because, you know, this didn't show positive. This showed negative. I'm like, well, that just means that it's not. That just means that we can't be certain that it is that. It doesn't mean that it's not that. Right. Another example, and I'm not trying to get political here, but I just want, this is something that I've told people and it made a lot of sense to them. 
the the COVID tests that they're using are rule in tests. So which explains the high level positives. Yeah. In rule in tests, you get a lot of false positive. Positive doesn't mean you have it. It only means that we're not certain you don't have it. So a negative which is, rule in test means you you most likely don't have it. But a positive doesn't mean you have it. It just means, all right, there's a really likely chance you've got it. And we can't prove you don't. Right. That's one of the things about all these fallacies, too, is understanding what they don't prove that you know or don't know. Yeah. Understanding simple Boolean algebra. <laughs> simple Boolean algebra. I did that on purpose. Uh, shows the error because A NAND B is the same as not A or not B. And if you're not as nerdy as some, but nerdier than others, we won't go there. In English, the opposite of nothing is something, not everything. Right? Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) Well, if you think about like a double negative, yeah, like I don't know nothing, doesn't mean I know everything. It means I know something. So the next set of fallacies are the fallacies of ambiguity. Ambiguity occurs when people use homonyms with similar meanings or even entire phrases that could take on multiple meanings in an argument. These changes in the meaning of what is being said can cause an argument to be fallacious. Yeah. I remember when we were in college and right after, I had a group of friends. Actually, they were down here in Murfreesboro. They mostly went to MTSU. We get together at coffee shops, and one of them and I, he was very opposite end of the political spectrum as I was at the time, and we would go back and forth. He he has since gotten even further extreme, and we don't don't hang out anymore because I'm more in the mid ground. But uh, anyway, he and I would go back and forth about things, and inevitably it would come down to a vocab lesson where we would just sit there defining terms. Yeah. And it turned out we agreed on a lot of stuff. It's just the way we were using certain terms were different. Yeah, especially when you get the uh, the weasel words in the mix. It just yeah. oh, it makes a mess. So the first of these is the fallacy of composition. So this is an error with inductive reasoning. And this fallacy comes about from implying that the properties of the parts are the same as that of the whole of an argument or object. It's an overgeneralization. Again, this is another one that is similar to the hasty generalization fallacy, uh, except it focuses on part of something added together rather than a lack of evidence. So let me give the example from the material that I read. You'll understand this when growing up uh, in the country. Just because a few parts of a tractor are light does not mean the entire tractor is lightweight. Yeah, or just because the bull is usually friendly doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean that it's not your day. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, these these <laughs> like these sound like or the the contrary to these fallacies sound like willisms. <laughs> yeah, well it kind of is, right? Like you get you get a pretty strong respect for sudden unexpected cardio. <laughs> or <laughs> when you, you know, have large just, animals around. 
just because a few parts on the car are rusty. Like you would assume like this fallacy would say, oh, well, this part of the car is kind of rusty. So the entire car is rusty. And about to fall apart. And it's like, right. Eh, maybe not. I still would be funny about. Yeah. I'd be funny driving. about buying a rusty car outside <laughs> of the rust belt. But, you know. Uh, yeah. You're going to see this yeah. when dealing with QA or consuming an API. This is the, well, this part of the code or this endpoint is slow or buggy. Therefore, the whole application is going to be slow or buggy. Right. And it's especially true when it's like a part that touches mm-hmm. some other system where it's like you can't even extrapolate this to the rest of the system in any <laughs> kind of way because it's completely yeah. unique. But we're going to do that anyway. Getting past this type of fallacy involves asking a lot of questions about other parts of the argument or other parts of the whole to show that it is not the same as one of the parts. You just kind of have to be careful not to fall into a previous fallacy we mentioned of asking loaded or complex questions. You don't want to lead with a question, but you want to guide, I guess, with the question. That makes sense? Yeah. The next one is fallacy of division. And this is the opposite of the fallacy of composition. Uh, Division is an error with deductive reasoning. Yeah, this fallacy states that what is true of the whole is also true of the individual parts of the whole. Right. So this would be like saying, well, Canadians as a group are polite. Therefore, this random Canadian that I found in a bar here is going to be nice to me. And it's going to have maple syrup. Lots of it. I have yet to see that disproven. It doesn't follow. (laughs) That's true. I haven't. I've never met a Canadian that was a jerk. (laughs) They have to be there. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Canadians, people from Rhode Island and people from Hungary. I've never met one that was a jerk so far. (laughs) But they have to be there. (laughs) So you can't extrapolate that way. Like the where the other one was um, going from general to specific. This one is going from, or the other one was going from specific to general. This one is going from general to specific. Yeah, the directionality is the issue, not the fact that you are making assertions about a group versus you know by the members or vice versa. Right. Yeah. It's just it's kind of the same thing, but it's different. No, another side of this is it could also be applied to aspects or properties of the whole. And, you know, for example, falsely claim that they are true of the individual parts. So saying that uh, Swedes in general have blonde hair, this particular one should have blonde hair. Right. And then, well, you don't have, you're not a Swede. You're no true Swede if you don't have blonde hair. Right. Oh yeah, pulling pulling in some previous fallacies. I like it. I like oh, yeah. it. Well, it's just like they like, you know, if you're going to get a fallacy involved, right? Like you link them together like a chain and then you you drown the truth with them. <laughs> right? Like that's what it's for. You're doing it wrong if you're not doing that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you you just, you know, baffle them with buffoonery. Right. <laughs> 
Was that a command or was, was that a suggestion? <laughs> could definitely do that. Yes, while some people choose their workplace based on its corporate mission or vision, this is a big one we've seen in the media lately. Not everyone who works at a company or, or place of business is concerned about their activism or philanthropy. Yeah, so Not all their customers are either, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, you, you could say that, you know, Bob over here works for a company who goes around digitizing paper forms. And in their company mission, it is is very explicit about saving the forests and, you know, reducing our carbon footprint and stuff like that. And that's what they're here to help other companies do that. And so this fallacy would be like, oh, well, this company is very environmentally minded. Therefore, Bob, who works at this company, must be very environmentally minded. Yeah, whereas the real truth is he really just likes the Adobe PDF format for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And if you asked him, you would find that out and you'd be like, huh, this has no connection whatsoever to what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. We're using some silly examples, but really, guys, you will see this a lot more than you think. And it's just like, once you know about it, it's like kerning. Once you know about it, you see it everywhere. Yeah. Especially the bad examples. Yes. The thing with division, like like we said, it's sort of the opposite of the fallacy of composition, but the solution is very similar. It involves asking questions. This time, you want to ask about more evidence that the individual part is also like the whole. So with the example of Bob I gave, someone says, hey, you know, Bob's company, the company Bob works for is very environmentally minded. So Bob must be environmentally minded. You go, really? How so? Like, what What does Bob himself do that is environmentally minded? You know, and kind of go down that direction, go, all right. So you would assume that, but let's prove it. Let's go, hey, what, what evidence do you have that's, that supports that? Because the fact that he works for a company that's environmentally minded doesn't mean that he is. The next one is the fallacy of equivocation. And equivocation is the act of deliberately changing the meaning of a word or phrase in the middle of an argument. Yeah. So this goes back to where we talked about the homonyms at the beginning of the section. The term equivocation comes from the root words equal and voice. Um, I think it's Greek. But what it refers to is the concept that a single word can mean two or more different things. It's kind of the Humpty Dumpty principle. You know, when I say a word, it means whatever I mean it to mean versus what the dictionary <laughs> says or however he well, puts no. it. No, no. It's the dictionary, like the word run. My computer can run, meaning that it is turned on and active. I can run, meaning like, you know, my legs are moving and I'm but you're know, active. huffing and puffing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's a word that has multiple meanings. Uh, the example I saw was with waste paper. So waste paper could mean toilet paper. It could mean, you know, the opposite of what Bob's company is trying to do. Right. 
<laughs> printing out digital documents. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you see, see what I'm saying here? Like it's both are valid meanings. It's just specific wording is used. Like in this fallacy, specific is wording is used that has almost a double entendre, but like has a can be used in multiple ways. Or someone says something and the other side turns it against them because they misrepresent what those words mean. They use them in the way they weren't intended. I've never seen this in a on television. I promise. I've heard it. I've never seen it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was that was, that was complete BS. That was, um, that was really bad. Yeah. When done in a comedic fashion, this is usually called a play on words. What makes it a fallacy is the deceptive nature when it's used to trick or mislead someone in an argument. Yeah, and like we said before, this happens all the time in political rhetoric. One side will misrepresent what the other person said or take it to an illogical conclusion based on a different interpretation of the words used. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> so when we were in school, we had... Um, we went to a private Christian university. We had required chapel and they changed the rules in the handbook and published a new handbook and everything. I worked for the paper and I wrote for the underground newspaper at the time. And so I interviewed the associate Dean of student affairs about this because the wording of it said after your third party, it's counted as an absence. Like coming in late is counted as an absence. And so I asked him, I'm like, does that mean, like, what's the point in coming to chapel after your third tardy? Because after that, it's always going to be counted as an absence. I might as well just, you know, go buy a cup of coffee and, you know, enjoy. Chase the squirrels in the square, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, why would I come after that? And he was like, it threw him off. He didn't know what to say. He's like, I don't know. I got in a lot of trouble for quoting him saying, I don't know. I had it on tape too. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if you remember me going to the Dean's office with, uh, yeah. with our friend who was the editor in chief and he was a bit of a nervous person. A bit. <laughs> I was being nice. That's like saying Godzilla is a bit of a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. A bit of a nervous person. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was fun. But they ended up rewriting that rule because of that article. Because it was ambiguously worded, they didn't intend for it. What they intended was every third tardy equates to an absence. Right. Um and you know, we had to we had so many absences we were allowed to have. So And there was somebody sitting up top counting the people and like <laughs> making sure you're in your seat. And I knew which days they weren't there because I was involved. <laughs> with some of the programming behind the scenes. Yep. So like I knew which days I could skip and not get caught. Well, they didn't care who sat in the seat so long as the seat was filled because they didn't pay attention to the person there. So, yeah. you know. You could buy somebody a candy bar and just go, can you go sit in there? <laughs> yeah. Not that I ever did that, but you know. So to address this fallacy, you need to establish a definition for the words that you use. Though even doing so may not always work as it tends to be done when the originator is not around. Like 
a lot of times what happens is someone will say something and then the response to it, it's not a back and forth argument. It's a, oh, well, they said this and this is what they meant. You just have to point out, hey, that word has multiple meanings. This is the meaning. Like, Or if you are in an argument, figure out what, choose the definition for it. Yeah, and that's why legal contracts tend to have the definition in them. Because you're that's agreeing true. on that definition before you sign. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like a handshake protocol. You got to agree what those packets actually mean before you can communicate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And there's going to be a lawyer writing us now. I just know we're getting an email. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Gary, who we had on the show a while back, several years ago. Yeah. Feel free. We'll, uh, yeah. we're just going to turn it around on you to go come on the show again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was, he was a great guy. That guy was he awesome. Was, yeah. He was. Yeah. All right, guys, the next fallacy we're going to talk about is the fallacy of amphiboly comes. And that's the battle that the Spartans lost, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You had to wait till I started talking. Amphiboly comes from the Greek roots. um, And basically, it means indeterminate. It's rather similar to equivocation. But instead of the definition of words being ambiguous, the confusion or deception here comes from the structure of the grammar so that one interpretation may be correct and the other is incorrect. Yeah, this is analogous to the ambiguity of certain programming language parse trees and stuff that I feel frustration with as far as like white space mattering syntactically i hate that yeah which means i can never be a python developer even though python's awesome right just can't take that one facet yeah my homework that i was talking about earlier involved parse trees and this kind of stuff and like i missed some other things because i was a little bit ambiguous with the grammar structure that i created and looking back at it i was like oh maybe i shouldn't have uh written this sitting at the bar while Amanda was working. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. You know, I mean, those I'm like, okay, that's fair that I missed that. I looked at it. There was one of them where he's like, he said, well, it does this. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It very clearly has an arrow pointing. It was a diagram. Like it very clearly has an arrow pointing unidirectional. So no, that is not possible. You need to, to double check that. So I haven't heard back from the professor on it. Like I said, I was very, rather frustrated. I waited a little bit before sending the message to him being like, hey, you're wrong. <laughs> but I waited a bit and worded it politely. But um, this comes about when words have more than one use within a sentence, such as something being a verb and an adjective. Back to what I was saying earlier, the the waste paper could mean toilet paper, leftover clippings from an art project, or what Bob's company is trying to avoid. Yeah, I think the parts of speech thing is an interesting one because that's something that English, like we'll use the same verb or the same word for different concepts and it fits in different places in the language. And a lot of other languages don't do that the same way. And so we have a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room for this kind of stuff just in the way that we in the English-speaking world, say things. That's definitely been one of my pain points learning Russian is 
having to have that precision with which one you're actually trying to use when you don't have to do that in English. Mm, that makes sense. Overcoming the amphibian phrasing is the same as with equivocation. You have to get a clear definition of what's being said. Amphibian phrasing. That's what I said. Yep. <laughs> as opposed to amphiboly. Well, yeah. Okay. It, it is amphibian phrasing. It's it's multiple meaning phrasing. So it could be on land or water. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's always slimy. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. I was trying to set you up for it and you just weren't getting there. <laughs> I was like, no, on, I wasn't. Beach. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't there. Sorry. All right, let's go on. <laughs> Throw the ball slow. <laughs> but the last one is fallacy of reification. The mathematician Alfred Whitehead called it the fallacy of misplaced concreteness as it involves treating an abstraction as if it were a concrete object. Yeah. So. This fallacy treats a word or a phrase um, that represents something as if it were the actual idea that it represents. And Will is very, he likes to say that numbers are ideas, they aren't things. Right. And so this fallacy. Or they're a pointer. Yeah, this fallacy would treat numbers as things. This fallacy treats pointers as the object they're pointing to, not as a pointer to an object. Yeah, pretty soon you get an access violation. That's yeah. where you're going to go with that. When you use this in literature, this would be called a figure of speech or a metaphor, and it's used to help understand an abstract concept by using concrete terms around it. We do this all the time on the podcast. That's why we do parables. Yeah. That's is that kind of thought process. Basically what the entire podcast is about almost yeah give or take it's yeah like, <laughs> i mean realistically that's what we do like that is that is our like we put in a bunch of con a bunch of abstract ideas in our outline and then will and i go through and give concrete examples to help understand like sometimes they're oversimplified some sometimes they're overcomplicated because you know depending on what we're talking about or how much will's had to drink I'm blaming it on him. Just one so far. Yeah, because <laughs> it's only me. Totally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm never wordy or pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't ever use a $3 word when 50-cent <laughs> word will do. Um, yeah, this is really rampant in HR and marketing propaganda. You're going to see this a lot, especially on LinkedIn. Like, look up LinkedIn cringe on YouTube. <laughs> There's some people just shredding some of these companies. And it's so funny. And it, I mean, it's funny enough. I've watched it on a Saturday night. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, because it's, it is hilarious. But some of the stuff that they'll say, it's not just stuff like saying rally the troops or get everyone on board. They're using almost like military level phrasing for something. It's like, dude, you, you gave everybody a sticker. Like, that's not like storming the beaches on Normandy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> with this, you have to call it for what it is. If you're dealing with an abstraction, point out that the person is acting as if they're dealing with an absolute. When they're really talking about an abstraction, you just got to call them out on it. That's the way to deal with this. And be polite about it. Some, hey, you know, maybe say, hey, you know, sounds like you're using more of a figure of speech or a metaphor here. You know, let's talk about 
the abstract idea, not just this one example of it. What is the phrase? The exception that proves the rule. (laughs) Yeah. Although I will say that one thing I see on this one sometimes is the thing of, I don't know if it's like the reverse fallacy of this, but where you say not all of X are like this, but it's like, well, I'm talking about this one in particular. And it's one of the other ones that's sort of almost catty corner from this one. That's a different fallacy. And I can't remember which one it's what the name of it is. Would it be the composition or division fallacy? Yeah, I guess. About, yeah. So, yeah, like where, where you're making a statistical statement and somebody goes, well, they're not all like that. And it's like, well, <laughs> no, but, you know, yep. most matches are flammable. So. Mm-hmm. This concludes our series on logical fallacies. At first glance, these appear overwhelming and overly academic. However, as you learn them, you'll start to see people using them. This will help you to better understand the reasons for certain decisions or how management has been influenced to keep using an old technology that hasn't been supported in years or jumping to a bleeding edge technology that isn't supported yet. Study these things and re-listen to the series if you need to, so that you will not only be able to recognize when you or others are using them, but also know how to defend against fallacious arguments. Yeah. So we want to give a shout out and a huge thank you to Lucas from Level Up Financial Planning for sponsoring this week's episode. Honestly, guys, his support really helps us. And you know what? He is going to help you achieve your goals. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, wrapping up the fallacies thing, um, there's a time and place for everything, right? So just because you recognize that someone is using a fallacious way of looking at the world does not mean that's the time you point it out to them. For instance, it can be your boss going off about something they're ticked off and you know, they're tired of those dead gum PHP programmers and their Laravel stuff. And why can't they just do it like in the old days and whatever? If they're ticked off, pointing out the logical fallacy right now does not help you. Okay. When somebody's in an emotional state, you're not going to bring them to logic very easily. Yeah. That's why like Amanda and I have a kind of a thing where if one of us is upset about something, like when I was upset about my homework, she literally said to me, do you want to vent or do you want me to tell you what's wrong with what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> she said it a little nicer than that, the exact wording, but it was something <laughs> to that effect. It's like, do you want to vent or do you want me to help you with the situation? And at the time I wanted to vent and then I was like, all right, help me write this response to it. Well, I mean, I think this is something you learn either being a partner in a business or being in a long-term relationship or even just long-term friendships, is there's a time and place where the logical answer does not provide the best results because that's not what people are looking for. And you got to be really careful. Like, don't act like a 15-year-old atheist here, right? Like, where you just, like, cram this thing into everywhere. (laughs) You know, like, have some discernment and go, okay, they're coming at this from a illogical position. I need to deal with the emotion first, and then I can talk to him about the logical fallacy. It's Yeah, this isn't CrossFit or veganism. You don't want to bring it up all the time. Right. Totally. Wow, CrossFit or veganism. <laughs> Boy, that's going to be an emaciated dude. <laughs> but they can jump really high. 
<laughs> wow. That's terrifying. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out because I know people, there's going to be a subset of people that are going to look at a set of fallacies and go, oh, I'm just going to always point these out. You know, like sometimes that doesn't work so well. So have some strategy around how you point things out. And that's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.